Hey everyone, um, welcome to the latest episode of Happiness Humans. My name is Matt Phelan and I am here with the amazing Minta. How are you, Minta? Just dandy. Thanks, Matt. And yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, um, start as I mentioned on the call before, start, starting to look forward to Christmas and, and think about turning off my phone and everything. Um, what, what about you? I'm not sure how to do that. My phone is attached to the hip. And, and I continue to try to make sure it's a positive attachment, not an addictive attachment. But it, it certainly lives with me. And otherwise, planning for the future. Um, I was asked in an article just now, hey, uh, what's your hope for 2021? And I wrote, well, I don't think hope is a good strategy. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and let's expand on that. What, why do you think hope's not a good strategy? Well... In the end of the day, you have to make plans for what you think is going to happen, not what you hope is going to happen. And and being realistic is a good idea. Optimism is lovely and uh, can also set you up for disappointment and probably expanded budgets that need to get cut. And, and that's just probably not a good place to be. So I'm, I'm more in a realistic mode and, um, and, and trying to think that that's a good thing because otherwise... Yeah, it gets down. I'm not a I'm not a downer kind of guy. I'm certainly not a pessimist, but just yeah. trying to find a, a place that's comfortable, staying fair and firm with regard to what's going on. No, I agree. I, I upset a lot of people at the beginning of COVID by saying that you need to plan that you're going to be working remotely for a year, <laughs> which which scared people at the time. And I've I've re I've reset that to three years now. Uh -oh. With even with even with a with good news around the corner i just think you need to plan for it yeah and the good news i mean even the good news you know what is that i think we're i i agree with you and i think you were very visionary to say that to say we'd be stuck at home i i didn't think that per se but i do think we're in for some deep doo-doo when it comes to business economy mental health we've got a lot of stuff coming up ahead of us yeah and, and minta um you you've been on the um this podcast before um i called the reason you were on it before is i called you at the beginning of covid actually because i just it was actually jogging and running that made me realize there's a lack of empathy in the uk mm -hmm. um because as the parks got busier um runners didn't like walkers walkers didn't like runners dog walkers mm -hmm. didn't like normal walkers and so on and i just thought there's a lack of empathy here somewhere mm -hmm. um, so for those that um, want to get to know Minta a bit more, scroll back a few episodes and, and you can hear from Minta on empathy. Um, but, but please do reintroduce yourself again, Minta. That was probably six months ago. So <laughs> knowing you're always up to a lot of interesting things, that your intro may have even changed. Well, so I've gotten older. And um, I, I have now one more book in my wheelhouse that's coming out in January the 3rd. And otherwise, I am a hopefully a professional speaker that's trying to figure out how to speak into a camera with a small screen and make that an effective way to change people's minds and provide energy to people. And otherwise, my background is I'm a 56-year-old, since turned 56, um, and who has spent a considerable amount of his time selling shampoos to hairdressers at L'Oreal. I also worked in an investment bank as a tennis pro, worked in an aquarium, a zoo, and uh, I've done three startups in radically different areas. And now I just, I try to make the world a better place 
by elevating the debate and connecting dots and ideas. So, Minta, take us up, take us up to speed. So this is, I've got you on here because I just, I want to just hear about this new book. But um, just very briefly tell us about the, the first three books so that, that our listeners can kind of understand the, the, the evolution through to this. And even if there's no evolution, this is just totally different to everything you've done before. We'd still love to know what your first three books were about. Thank you for the question, Matt. And if I were visual, you might see I have three books with three different colours, blue, white and red. And if you were French, you would say Bleu Bleu Rouge, which is the flag of France. Uh, so the first book I wrote was about my past. And it's about my grandfather's Second World War story, who was a prisoner of war officer in the United States Navy. And he was killed as a, uh, a prisoner. And, and I, I decided to explore my past through him and discovered an enormously interesting story about his ring, which I turned into a documentary film which has been on television it's now on history hit in britain history hit tv right. dan snow's history it's been on pbs still on pbs and history channel the second book is called future proof uh, and it's all about helping using the new forces to disrupt or not to be disrupted according to where you sit that was co-written with my friend caleb stalky and uh, was published by pearson and it did rather well and I just found out that it's been pub it translated into Norwegian of all things, Matt. Nice. And and the third book is a artificial empathy, how to put heart into your business and AI. Like you say, there's a lack of empathy, and I think that there's actually an even bigger lack when it comes to the way businesses are run, a topic that we both share. And how can we insert more empathy into the way we run a business? And we think about encoding artificial intelligence. Yeah, well, fantastic. So, so taking us up to now, then is is there um, is is this a leap from book three to book four? Is it just totally independent? Well, I I have to say, even if you look at the these for the first three books, there's it seems a little bit different. I mean, certainly writing a biography of the Second World War and artificial empathy seem very far away. But for me, there is a, uh, a link that runs through all of the books, which is about trying to make the world a better place through the different ways. In the first book, it was really honed in on the ideas of some old fashioned values like honor, courage and love. In, in the second book, much though Caleb and I were really focused on these technologies and how exciting it is to use 3D printing and artificial intelligence or whatever, it really was about changing the mindsets of people and, and how to make business more meaningful, which is the first chapter of the book. And then artificial empathy, as much as we might be excited about delegating our empathy to chatbots, reality is we actually need to insert more empathy into who we are as individuals, in family, in the streets with strangers and at work. And then this final book, the funny thing with the final book, <laughs> the fourth book, the funny thing, Matt, is actually I began writing it a year and a half before my first book came out. And it, it, I ended up uh, writing 30,000 well, so words. Minter, just you've blown my brain there. So, so this book here that's out, that's coming out in January, you started writing before your first book. Absolutely. I just wanted to check I got that right. Good. Yeah. Carry it, on, and it, carry on. And as such, I considered it, Matt, when I went off to Dubrovnik to start writing it, that this was the book of the book of my life. 
I didn't have the other books in my, even in my wheelhouse, my thoughts, dreams, whatever. This was going to be the book. The book that sort of lays it all out, both me as a person, including me as a, uh, a rather adulating fan of a rock and roll band, you know, hippie groupie, and me as a CEO, runner of big businesses, and and serious guy with who knows how to do a Windsor knot on his tie. <laughs> you know, so I can wear ties and tie dyes. And it was a sort of this combination of things that I wanted to put into the book. And, and it really was about how to lead your life. Of course, with a, an angle, which is how to lead your life and make that come true in the bottom line in a business. Yeah. Anyway, so th that's how I started off writing it. And then consistently, well, I mean, unbelievably, each time I sort of put pen to paper again, something would come up. And each time it was somewhat monumental. And the very first time, Matt, just to give you an idea, was yeah. a Skype message. So there I am sitting on 30,000 words, pondering the next steps, and the Skype message, bing, notification. Hi, Minter, this is Josh. Do you remember me? Uh, no, 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 not going to, no, Josh, tell me more. Well, we met 13 years ago in an Irish pub in Manhattan. <laughs> or on a Tuesday afternoon, the 11th of September. This is in 2014. Yeah. Oh, that Josh. You were a 23-year-old film student at Columbia. You and I had had set up this meeting three months previously. And despite what happened in the morning, we decided to meet up at O'Shea's or whoever it was, <laughs> have several yeah. pints of Guinness. And, and we discussed the world and life. And yeah, exactly. And I'll never forget the story you told me. I'm now a bona fide filmmaker. I want to make a film. I was like, oh, well, that, that's pretty crazy. What do you mean you want to make a film? I haven't even thought about making a film. He says, yeah, yeah, you got to do a film. Anyway, so that got me onto the road of doing the doc film and my first book. And wow. then I had two more instances, if you can imagine, Matt, as big that changed the course of the next few years. And so including I wrote another 30,000 words. I went to Reykjavik to write 30,000 yeah. more words. And I had 60,000 words in my bank. And then another big thing happened. And, and so this has been a rock and roll experience to say, you know, to coin a term. And there we are. And by, by the way, I, I finished this manuscript, uh, this one with Kogan, or I think it was the 15th of March, 2020, two days before we went into full lockdown mode. Yeah. And, and they had to furlough the company. And I thought that my book would never see light of day. So happy, happy, happy to be now thinking it's coming up. Wow. So to the title you lead, Minta, mm -hmm. um, talk, us, talk, us, talk us through that. So uh, the title is You Lead, How Being Yourself Makes You a Better Leader. And at some level, this is almost as much about self-leading as it is leading an organization. A certain thesis is, if you know how to lead yourself, you're going to be a better leader with other people. But that yeah. requires also being knowledgeable, self-aware about who you are as a person. So 
inevitably that sort of gets into a little bit of the psyche of an individual. And if you can be more, have more integrity, which doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you are fuller self. And so you, you, yeah. you're aware of your foibles, your issues, your imperfections. And you, you can still try to improve them, but you're not seeking perfection. You're embracing your imperfections. Excuse me. And so... Aminta, well, yeah. why do you think... Um, I just want to bring in industries quickly here. Mm -hmm. There's certain industries where it's okay to embrace your foibles. Um, there's some where you, you, you make one mistake or you're slightly different to everyone else and you're out and your career's over. Um, what, why do you think that is? Is it, Are we are, are different industries evolving at different paces? Or Because I observe that a lot. Um, it's, and you see it in politics all the time when people just don't answer a question where you think, well, a CEO would just answer that question and say they don't know. Um, but why do you think that that is different in different industries? Vast question, Matt. I, mm. and, and, and I'll, I have my first knee-jerk reaction is because it's run by men. And, and I don't mean that in an entirely sexist way, but there is this notion of ego that gets in the way. Of course, it's more like a masculine concept, if you will, at some level. The people who are, I mean, and women have egos and all that. It's just that there's this sort of driving sense of I need to have present the perfect image. And some yeah. jobs run on image more than others. Yeah, true. But image can also be with regard to the narrative, to infighting. And if you have infighting in your party, you're trying to be the political head. You have to deal with infighting and the image of I'm a leader and corral a bunch of cats, as we like to say, and quite feral when it comes to politics. And then you get it. I, you know, I've been watching uh, during this pandemic um, you know, series, as everyone is on Netflix, Narcos. And uh, it's an interesting thought that in that industry, within the family, they accept certain things. But you make one mistake, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about consequences. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't so have a, I don't have a brilliant answer for that. I think that but, we're we're in, we're in situations where actually in some industries, some companies are more like that than others. Well, let's get just drop into your experience then. Into obviously, you mentioned the shampoo, shampoo and and and. and the beauty industry, if I just broadly call it that. Mm -hmm. So you, you worked and led in that. So the product's about, potentially about, <laughs> about, about image. Mm -hmm. Did you find that industry to be more about image when it came to leadership or, or, or less than other industries from your experience? Mm. Very much based on, on look uh, and image. I mean, of course, there are different layers to looks, right? And the, and the stories that you tell. Uh, but there was no doubt that there was a look to the way we hired people. Absolutely yeah. superficial. There was also no doubt that when I left L'Oreal, the vast majority, over 90% of the senior leaders were men. Yeah. And they typically came from a certain set of schools, two in particular. They typically, we, you know, if you had a French nationality, that was a better ticket to the top. And, and, and within that, you know, you, you had to look the part. And then, you, yeah. then you, there's the advertising that we do. And some companies in the beauty industry are far less interested in the perfection of the image than others. We yeah. at L'Oreal were, were bent, you know, hell-bent on, on making 
each model, each shot look absolutely, you know, sumptuously perfect. There's something yeah. nice about that, but there's also the artifice of it. Mm. No, it's, it's fascinating. We could, we could, we could get into that just nonstop, couldn't we? But oh one yeah. Of, one, one of the things I wanted to understand um, about your process here, Minta, is. In the research, is this a book that's about your experience, or have you have you conducted external research and data? Um, what can we expect? Right. So, the largest part of it is based on experience, and and as opposed to the academic research, because research only has only goes so far. And and you know, really, what I wanted to look in on is the messiness of relationships. And there isn't a prescription that says how you and I should talk. It can depend on the day. Did you have a nice night's sleep? What just happened before our talk? What's going to happen afterwards? Are you stressed about it? Relationships are, by their nature, messy. And so what I wanted to do was dig in on my own, my own personal experiences and take a sort of a, a sound check. But I've also had the chance to, since 10 years, a little bit more, uh, a company uh, lots of different C-suites in lots of different industries. And, and so I, I bring out my observation skills when it comes to that. So as far as research is concerned, it's very much first-hand, first-hand observations. And I also did um, a few proprietary surveys that were helpful and let's say corroborated some of the, the things that I was looking at, uh, which really was diving in on things like engagement levels in, in companies and what is it that's going to make authenticity look authentic and and how do you bring your whole self to work without showing and airing your very dirty underwear yeah. you need to figure out how to to work this and and sometimes for some person it can be much further than another where you're going to lie on the cursor yeah so what i wanted to do was uh, based on my experiences draw something not co controversial, but at least pushing the, the, the lines and arguments to, to suggest that this is where we can go, giving people permission to explore being more personal and therefore hopefully more fulfilled. But that's everybody's journey. And so there's no real data point that says, you know, fulfillment is perfect. Everyone has a purpose. No, they're not. Yeah. And even if you say you have a purpose, is it a real purpose? Or is it the one that you think you should have? Yeah. Just like for companies. So. Yeah, that's um, how I'd answer that, Matt. No, and I, I just want to talk about someone quickly who, who I who I happen to think is a disgusting human being based on my values. But I think there's an example here around in the book and the description you sent me around being your authentic self. Mm -hmm. So one of the, one of the things when I think about Donald Trump, I think intuitively, I think this is a disgusting human being. But I also look at him and think. He's, he's, he's actually been quite authentic to who he is. He does a lot of the stuff that he says he's going to do. And, and there's people out there who are, I, I do wonder when I look at someone like Hillary Clinton, I think, does she just need to be more herself to get to get people to vote for her and, and let her let part, other parts of her personality come out? Because since since she lost the election, I, I think a lot of people say, well, they like her more. She seems to just be more relaxed herself. So this is a bit of a big question to put you up for probably the person who's in the news the most. 
Do you think Donald Trump is is an authentic leader? Hmm. So, of course, that's based on hearsay, having never met the man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving you easy questions today. Really. Right. No, I, what I actually, I want to I focus. So I, I think probably he's something close to it. But the, the thing that I think is far more interesting is to say that 74 million people voted for him. Mm. And the point there is independent of what you or I or anybody else might think of the personality of Trump, why did so many people yet, despite your opinion, vote for him? And on the uh, and I think the counterpoint that you give of Hillary Clinton is really somewhat symptomatic because they don't want that. And so if they don't want that, the alternative is more realism, let's say, a, a more authentic me, which includes my foibles. Yeah. And so I think that for the purposes of, of a lesson learned is that uh, being yourself is is potentially something people gravitate towards because they see in you that you have errors, you have imperfections. Huh. They're, at least they're speaking their mind. They have the courage yeah. to speak their mind. They're not putting stuffing their mouth with cotton balls. And I want to tell you a story, Matt, that I th is, is relevant as well in another kind of context, which is the very first time I cried in a professional public space and brought up as a rugby player, stiff upper lip, you know, the type of stock that I come from, that this was not what we, one does. It's not cricket. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, it was in England. And, and I, I just, I started sobbing in front of a crowd of quite influential people. And yeah. so it was all the more embarrassing for me because we had, there was newspapers and celebrities and all this. And I'm like, oh, la, la. this is not what I was planning. And interestingly, when it was finished, I, you know, of course I got over it and finished up. But when I got over it and I was down and, you know, a few people came to me, they hugged me. They didn't think I was worse for it. In fact, they found it far more endearing mm -hmm. and, and didn't think of me as some weak twat that I was thinking I was. Yeah. And, and so the point is that, you know, there are different versions of, of, you know, your integrity that I was mentioning, the authenticity that you have and, and hopefully move in, lean into the, the, the more you are, understand where you're not good and do try to improve that. Cause if you're an ax murderer, eh, yeah, not good. Yeah. If your ethics are shitty, not good. Try to improve that. So where 74 million people voted, were voting for authenticity, others, of course, were voting for that's not good and, and the other one's probably better, yeah. Biden. But uh, the, 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 uh, that's the whole scope of the book yeah. is to look at just how far along can you go. Axe murder, probably not good. Ethically questionable, probably not good. I need to survive. Well, then how do yeah. you survive? Maybe I need to push the, the line down and I can't just do everything that everybody likes and, and it would be nice. Yeah. You know, so that kind of self-righteous sort of, oh, I'm better than everybody and I'm and everything I do is perfect or everything yeah. I do is for the better of everybody is nice, but not necessarily practical and pragmatic. So we need to find a, a discourse that allows for a less politically correct version of me. Yeah. That allows for me to say and express my thoughts, my feelings, and you know, especially my emotions. Yeah. 
and and shows that some days, hey, I'm not good, or I'm it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, no, I love I love that mint, and I think, I mean, I'm 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 politically homeless, so I've never voted Conservative or or Labour in the UK. Um, but <laughs> but the but the one leader I think the UK could do could have done with is Gordon Brown, who I don't think he really showed his true self until his resignation speech, and you saw him there really emotional. And then I think a lot of people, there was so I was on Twitter on the day with so many people like, who is this guy? Um, and I just want to bring emotions in, to go back to your example of, I mean, because one of the things that has really resonated with people in, in, in my book is around how we've got to stop saying things like crying at work or are unprofessional um, and, and how much we can benefit from being ourselves. Um, and I want to bring that um, into um another question around which is obviously very important to our listeners but i know is important to you as well um is it better to be customer first or employee first (laughs) the third option is this a rubbish question um (laughs) well i yeah so let, let me let me say that if you're customer first it's already a good idea it's it's not the wrong idea but for the vast majority of companies, they might say they are, but they aren't. And one of the reasons for that, in my opinion, is that they haven't gotten wind of the fact that the way businesses are run and the way people are evaluated and businesses are evaluated outside of profit and loss has changed. And, and so really, I am a big brand guy. And what is brand? Well, brand is a signature of trust. And there's a big issue with engagement of employees. And there's a big issue of trust, trust between consumers and institutions and companies and trust between employees and employers. And in this mode, we have so many different more touch points between the customer and the employees in a, in a company that you kind of need to figure out how you're going to treat your employees in a way that's congruent with the way you wish that they would treat their customer, your customers. So true. And so you've got social media, you have people in the store, you've got people manning bots and, and, and customer service centers. You have, generally speaking, marketing. You have sales teams out there. And all these individuals often actually report into different parts of the organization. And so if you're not consistent within who you are with your employees, so in other words, you're not just over-treating the marketing because we're a marketing company or you know, giving an extra eye to the salespeople because we're a sales or to the organization, then you're inevitably going to start getting wonky results, inconsistent with regard to the customers. So the long answer to your question is better to be employee first than customer first. Uh, and, and the idea is be consistent in the way you treat your employees with regard to the way you ex- wish to express it to the customers. Yep. Um, Minta, we need to go into summary. Um, I'm just going to read out. I'm just going to read out for everyone. So the, so the book's called You Lead, um, How Being Yourself Makes You a Better Leader by Minta Dial. Um, out on January the 1st, 2021. Um, I'm going to leave you um, with a summary. Um, could you just summarise um, the book in a couple of sentences for us, please, Minta? 
Well, so the subtitle uh, hopefully hopefully says it all. How being yourself makes you a better leader. In it, I have a framework uh, that I think has some novelty in it, called the Czech framework, and I describe also the inside out model, which really speaks to the employee first. And how do you actually make that happen? How do you make your brand live within the your ecosystem uh, through your network into the customers and, and do it in a way that is fulfilling, making the world a better place and turns up your bottom line. Wow. Well, Minta, I will certainly be buying it. Um, I can't Thank wait you. to read it. And um, I hope you didn't mind me hitting you with, with, you, with all these unplanned questions. But I, oh. as I said before, I just wanted it to be like me and you. Yeah. And let, let me finish with one more thing, Matt, which is that I, I talk very much about my experience as a groupie of a rock and roll band. And I, and I think that every day we should include into our day very much personal things at work, which include listening to music, naps after lunch, and increasing your empathy by reading fiction. Those are my three tips for everybody. I love that, Minta. Thank you for taking time out um, to share this with us. Um, and if I don't, which I'm sure I will speak to you before then, have an awesome Christmas. Likewise, Matt. Thanks, Minta. Pleasure. Thank you.